0: Start. So, first of all, hey Luca, uh, it's good to see you and and thank you so much for taking the time uh, to to speak to us. You're in Slovenia right now? Yeah, thanks for the
1: invitation. Uh, Nice to see you, nice to talk to you again after a while. And yes, I'm in Slovenia at the moment in all these uh, quarantine times. I've been here uh, now since the tour of uh, UAE and uh, luckily we were pretty much uh, on freedom, I can say. We weren't on total lockdown. Yes. So uh, the shape is still all right at the moment.
0: Very good, very good. So you are, you're allowed to ride outside.
1: Yeah. Well, okay. uh, there were there were some uh, restrictions like with uh, mun- municipalities and stuff. You had to ride inside. Uh, you were not like totally free, but uh, at least you could we could ride outside all the time.
0: Okay, very good. Okay, this was a little different here in Dubai. We had some restrictions and for three weeks we were on a lockdown and still it's kind of restricted here, but yeah, it was, um, it was, was more restricted than there, yeah. I just want to maybe tell the, the, little, the, the people a bit about your, your career and I acknowledge you for some, some amazing achievements you had. You, uh, you Overall, six times you participated in Vuelta. You won stages in two of Catalonia, two of Beijing, two of Poland, two of Slovenia. Uh, interesting, I think, is you're national Slovenian champion at the same time for road, for cyclocross, and for mountain bike at the same time. And I think there's not many people I've, I, I know who have ever achieved this to wear the national jersey uh, in all three disciplines. That was 2017, correct?
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, it was a big year uh, as far as the national championships are uh, concerned for me. And uh, yeah, it was a pretty nice achievement and also really nice memories about that.
0: So you started your career in mountain biking and then you you came to road bike?
1: Yes, uh, I started my career uh, cross-country riding, so mountain bike, 2005. And uh, then I switched to the road in 2010 uh, because the the circumstances about uh, mountain biking in Slovenia weren't that great at the time. uh, So I just decided that uh, I can make living a little bit better by riding on the road and maybe competing
0: there. Very good. You you won as well the a very prestigious sprint, the final sprint of the Giro Italia in 2014 which was just an amazing sprint you did because it was obviously everybody wants to win that final stage and uh, and it was a super fast sprint and, and I think you just made it to the finish obviously first and uh, do you remember these, these days uh, at the Giro? Yeah, surely. I mean... Uh...
1: In uh, 2014, uh, we started with uh, Marcel Kittel as a team leader, as a team captain for sprints. Yes. And then he got sick uh, very soon, very early in the Giro, I think was maybe stage five. He didn't start t- anymore. Uh, so since uh, stage five, I was uh, always on the line, on the list uh, to sprint. And I remember that year I was in a really good shape already before, like I won uh, three stages in uh, Catalonia. So I had high, I had high hopes, and also I was really motivated because I knew with a perfect sprint I can win a stage on the Grand Tour. And yeah, like uh, I remember, I was pretty frustrated uh, going to the end of the Giro because I still didn't manage to get a win, uh, even though I had some nice results, a few third places. And then uh, the final stage, we all knew it's going to be a sprint. And the stage itself was in Trieste, which is just a few kilometers from the uh, Italian-Slovenian border. Okay. And that meant uh, the pressure was really high. And uh, yeah, I remember a lot of uh, Slovenian friends uh, came that day to cheer for me. And uh, once I crossed the line uh, with the hands up, I was uh, really like... Uh, uh, stress was relieved at that yes. time. So yes. I felt really great and the memories are great.
0: How is it to ride a three-week stage race? So how much is the fatigue in and that you really feel you get the energy after after uh, 20 stages and you, you you put everything together to have such an amazing sprint? Because that was a hard stage. I looked at the finish and I looked at these last couple of kilometers, that was just unbelievable hard, how you how you race there and then come first. That's unbelievable.
1: Yeah, it wasn't a really normal stage for the last stage of the Grand Tour, because I remember there was a breakaway of two guys, really fast guys, uh, who are now my teammates or were my teammates. That was uh, uh, Luke Durbridge and uh, Swain Taft. So yes. uh, big uh, time trial riders, and that stage was really fast all the way and it wasn't easy also after three weeks the legs are tired and uh, it's a bit different uh, than if there's a one-day race for example
0: yes um you hold another i think just an amazing record is you're the fastest ever recorded sprint uh with 82 kilometers power two of poland uh this is unbelievable 82 kilometers an hour. uh, Yeah, I
1: mean, uh, that was last year in uh, tour of Poland. Uh, It's always the same stage, the same finish uh, with that uh, like last uh, kilometer is a bit downhill, maybe 4 or 5%. And we all know that it's really fast. So you also have to put on the big chain rings, not uh, 53 or 54 as usual. Uh, So yeah, it's all about uh, having a good timing in in, uh, finishes like that. Because, you know, once you hit the, wi- the wind, uh, it's not good to be there
0: for too long time. I never did it. wind at 82 kilometers an hour, so I'm not sure what you're talking about. Yeah, but not it's <laughs> You should try, like, go behind the <laughs> car and then try to sprint. Yes, very good. Now you're over 10 years a professional in, in the peloton. So does this give you any privileges? Is there anything special when you have to have a pee break, everybody has to stop? Or how is it when you, when you have such a long career? No,
1: I mean, you have to wear a yellow jersey or a pink jersey, then everybody else stops when you stop for a pee. Okay. <laughs> that doesn't uh, come with years of professional uh, riding. Uh, but yeah, what you get with these years is experiences. And we all know that cycling is a sport of experiences. Yeah. And uh, a lot of times I can get through the heavy stage or get a good results just by having some experiences to know when and where I, ha- I have to be at the exact moment
0: okay very good that's good um you've been visiting dubai for quite some time as well you have been here since i think 2015 or 2016 first for racing and then you really enjoyed it here you spent some time in february 2016 and then we, we went out riding a couple of times and you had a good preparation as well for the season uh preparing in Al Qudra. so what was your your good memories you have for dubai
1: yeah, I mean, I spent uh, quite some time there in Dubai a uh, few times a year because um, I just try to avoid it in summer because it's just too hot. But yeah, in 2016, uh, I've been there actually just before the season started. And uh, I was training mainly on al Kudra or Nadal Shiva. Yes. And uh, I can say that the uh, first time I met or how you say, get in touch with this kind of cycling path, that is just built for cycling and that's just amazing. Like uh, have the roads that wide just for you and for your friends on the bike as well. Uh, No cars around, no uh, hazards. Uh, So it's great, it's great.
0: Yes, no, I think we're blessed here in Dubai with with these facilities and I think it's just amazing. And sometimes you forget and when you go back to Europe and you see you are on the road, you have to share the road with cars and then you come back to Dubai, I think it's something very special we have here. Yeah, Yeah.
1: like when I return uh, to Europe, sometimes it's just, uh, I feel a bit endangered uh, just being alone on the road uh, because the roads are much uh, narrower here and also much more twisty, you can't see ahead. And also it's the same for the cars. They come uh, sometimes behind you with too big speed or try to overtake you with the car uh, going uh, opposite. So, yeah, it's just a little bit more dangerous here than
0: in uh, UAE. Yes. You've been with ORECRA, GreenEdge, Mitchells and Scott now for a couple of years and it's kind of a team with Australian backgrounds and you have that amazing show backstage pass. It really looks from the outside, it really looks like a fun team. How do you feel? How do you feel about the team? Yeah, this is
1: my fifth year in this team and uh, I really feel every year more happy. And uh, more, how you say, more comfortable, more friendly with everyone. And uh, as I remember, I had a couple of options uh, going into 2016 season to join other teams. And like my on my wish list, uh, Green Edge was on the top of uh, the mm-hmm. list. So uh, I was also watching these uh, backstage passes and stuff. Okay. And I just wanted to be a part of it because I saw there's a, hard work and dedication, but at the same time they know how to have good time, how to enjoy life, how to party. And yeah, this is uh, just the team that really suits me and uh, also here I think I, I performed on my topest
0: level. Okay, very nice. If you're riding with the twins, Yates twins, can you tell them apart on the bike? How do, you, how do you know who is who or you, you get mixed up sometimes?
1: No, no. I, well, let's say first training camp, I had some uh, big issues. I didn't want to call them by names. I just Yatesy. Yeah,
0: then, uh, <laughs> it works for if both. The
1: right, if the right guy turned, that's good. If the if it wasn't the right guy, then I said, uh, no, the second one. <laughs> <laughs> but now, uh, yeah, when uh, 50 years with them, uh, I they, I know which one's which because uh, you see the difference is like, But the biggest uh,
0: difference is in the shoes. I always look in the shoes once they are on the bike. Good. Yeah. You have a ladies team as well in in Mitchelton-Scott. And I know this year you you had as well shared training camps. I think Annemiek van Vliet was riding with you. Um, I saw some videos on on Scott's uh, homepage. Uh, How was this training with the ladies? How You you were afraid that you you get dropped and they were still in the group?
1: I mean, it wasn't that we had the really ladies joining us. It was just one lady. That's Honeybeek. Uh, yeah. yeah. And uh, it was actually the second time, I think, uh, that she joined our uh, A to B training camp, which is, like I think, the most famous training camp uh, of any team in pro peloton because we ride really big hours, long distances, uh, many, many altitude meters each training. And uh, yeah, it's really demanding, like, sometimes I feel in December that I'm training myself just to get still alive <laughs> over that training, training camp, camp. yeah <laughs> and uh, to have anmic there uh, first of all I was thinking yeah she she will do she will do her own training uh, plan you know maybe a couple of hours with us and then she stops go back in the car and stuff like this but it was the way around like often I stopped went in the car or just make a shortcut to the hotel and she did everything what was on the menu for that day and yeah she's just uh, amazing uh, how
0: much and how hard she works very good yeah i've seen this documentation so i think it's really worth uh, watching uh, to see how she works and how she won the world championship title uh, quite an impressive um, career she has yeah um yeah. what do you think your teammates say about you when they speak about you what what, what they how they describe you <laughs>
1: I don't know, Like I mean, uh, everybody knows uh, I'm uh, like quite funny or uh, easy going guy, so always uh, there when uh, we have some fun. Uh, I'm serious when there's a, like a hard work or preparing for something, but as soon as these uh, serious moments are over, I'm back to my
0: uh, relaxed mode. Very good. And who is your roommate when you go for the big tours and you, you, you normally share a room with one of your team colleagues? Who is that?
1: Uh, mostly it's uh, Michael Hepburn. Okay. Me and him goes along really well. And uh, if he's not there, then also Sam Bewley or some other guys, but like mostly with uh,
0: Happy, yeah. Very good. And you're now 10 years in the peloton. If you think back now, what advice would you give Luca 10 years ago? Uh, what would you give yourself as an advice to, to say what you've learned and what you wish you would have known 10 years ago?
1: Yeah, well, it's eight years in pro peloton uh, to be exact, like since 2013, before I was three years just on the continental team, Slovenian small continental team, which we don't count as a professional because you still or work next to the cycling or you're a student or something like that. Uh, my advice to me eight years ago would be just uh, to go slow don't uh, don't try to how you say overtake just go slow and enjoy every moment enjoy every race even though it's raining uh, because uh, time in uh, sighting passed really fast in like 2013 was like yesterday and now i'm I know when, when you are old, when they start to call you experienced rider. So yeah. <laughs> I've heard that, uh, that thing for quite some time now. Even in meetings, yeah, we can ask experienced rider Luca Menzgetz, what's he going to say about this final? <laughs> and yeah, you know you're old then, but I'm still 32 years old and I think I have uh, at least five years, good five years in me to, to be on a level I'm
0: now. Very good fantastic yeah we're looking forward to see you more. um are you together with your family in Slovenia? Are you living close to your mom and dad, or are you in a different part of Slovenia?
1: yeah, at the moment uh, with this quarantine time, I'm uh, with my family uh actually not living with parents because uh, they are also quite older and uh, now you know in this time it was a bit uh, a bit uh, unpractical to be around uh, older. Mm. Yes. people, let's say, because I, I still wasn't really on my own. I still yeah. was there, I don't know, riding with someone or something like that. So I didn't want to put them in risk. Uh, but yeah, I live like uh, at the moment 20 k away and uh,
0: we see each other a couple of times a, a week now. Very good. And if you come home after a long race, what is your mama cooking for you? If you said, hey, Luca, <laughs> what should I prepare? What's your favorite?
1: Oh, good, yeah. I prefer the best uh, food on the spoon. We say on the spoon, like yeah. food on the spoon. It's like soups or uh, it's called goulash, goulash. I don't know yes, what yeah, yeah, the yeah, word really. with polenta, for example. Okay. That's that's the, the food I like the most because uh, like living in the hotels, majority of the year, uh, you get sick of the hotel food, even though uh, now l- last years we have always a chef with us. Yes. So that makes uh, life on the road much easier and
0: also nice. much more healthy. Yes, I see in the background you have a a, a tax indoor trainer uh, to do some training. So you spend a lot of time now or You because you can go out, you, you're not using it as, as much.
1: Well, uh, yeah, I use it still more than I would use it in normal circumstances. Mm-hmm. Uh, because now with the Zwift and all the group rides we had, I actually want to be part of it and I just jump on the Zwift uh, go with them also with the team because they were in a total lockdown especially guys living in Spain or Andorra uh, we were riding maybe two or three times a week uh, with them for an hour so mm-hmm. that's also like just the group bonding that you don't yes. forget uh,
0: yes. each other you said you have a phone call with them every Monday
1: yeah we have like a Zoom uh, conference call Uh it's like uh, just to, we don't speak about cycling too much, but more mm. just about
0: regular stuff. Very good. Do you do any e-sports on the bike? Do you think the racing, you think this is going to be something which will come in the future, that, that we will have these races? And did you participate in some of the Swift races? Honestly, I hope uh, that won't happen
1: okay. <laughs> because yes. Even on the races now we do on Zwift or any other uh, platform. It's just for me personally, it's too hard. I don't know. The slipstream doesn't work uh, like (laughs) on the real road, And you know, as a sprinter, I know how to use my uh, advantages in that way. So to use others to bring me in the final and this uh, virtual stuff, uh, I think there's not much drafting to be honest.
0: Do you, do you watch, um, when you're in the, in the trainer, do you watch the Swift game or you watch a video or you listen to music? Actually I have
1: uh, more screens. So on one I have a Zwift just to know what's going on and I see people and uh, also the gradient and stuff. And then uh, I always watch some television or some series and stuff, sometimes just YouTube videos of old races. Yes. Uh, this is something that really motivates me to push a little bit harder and just to forget that I'm uh, still inside, sweating and still be on the same spot.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Very cool. What's the series you're watching at the moment?
1: Uh, the Last Dance from uh, Michael Jordan. I think everybody knows it. Yes. On Netflix now, It's uh, I think uh, episode five and six just uh, came out yesterday. So I have two
0: more to see. Some more, some more time to spend on the train. Yeah, good. yeah, yeah. Very good. Then take us back a little bit how this all started. Who introduced you to cycling? And what are the first memories and first inspiration you had as a cyclist? It's actually
1: a funny story about uh, me coming into cycling uh, because I have uh, one of my best friends, used to be a continental rider. I think we were so around 15 years old and once i said okay i go with you on a training ride so uh, we were riding together and then we hit the climb and he just went off and i was like this is quite hard but i took my time i went easy like enjoying the views and stuff and then once i came to the top maybe 15 minutes later i asked him what's all the joy behind this that you go full gas on this climb and I went easy, I was enjoying myself, I saw the nature, and now we are on the same spot. So I was like, why would you go full gas? Why would you suffer? I was like, like, I don't like this sport. That was maybe age of 14 or 15. Okay. And I went home, and then it was maybe two years later, when uh, they stole my bike. I had, like, in front of the house, I had parked my bike. It was yeah. just like an average bike, and they stole it. Somebody stole it. Uh, so at that time, I had a birthday just a few months after, and I really wanted to have a nice bike, so I got quite a lot of money for that, just a birthday, and I spent all the money for a new bike, and uh, I was always hanging around in the neighborhood with the older boys, older guys, older friends, like four or five years older, and this is the the age when you are like, you know, the puberty and stuff yes. and uh, everybody were picking on me. Why would you spend so much money on the bike that you don't use it so much? And I was like, ah, I don't know, I will start to ride my bike. And then just to prove them that I deserve that bike, I start to ride every day a little bit more. And uh, really sooner or later, I became a little bit better on the climbs. I went faster, like I I could do more kilometers. And uh, then they invite me actually on, the, on one race with also some guys who were already competing uh, on the mountain bike, uh, I'm saying. I wasn't trying the road bike since until my age of 19 or maybe something like that, but just on the mountain bike. And then I won that race, my first race. And that really sucked me up into the, into the
0: cycling uh, story. Very nice. Cool. Yeah, so the first race and you won immediately.
1: Yeah, it was just like an uphill race, 25 minutes. Uh, Like here in Slovenia, we have a lot of uh, uphill competitions. You know, you start on the bottom, finish on the top. Yes. Uh, It's quite weird when I ask or when we talk to my teammates, nobody knows about uh, just uphill competitions. Mm -hmm. But here are quite big. And uh, yeah, I used to train just
0: uphill, just climbs. I, did, I didn't like uh, flat. I just went on the climbs always. And did you have any cyclists in mind when you were racing? Did you have any hero of, of maybe from international racing? You remember? Well, was yeah. This... Uh,
1: when I started a little bit serious with my riding, I also get Lance Armstrong book. Yes. And I was reading that book and uh, it was really interesting. Like I always had goosebumps, how good he was and stuff like this. And Then that motivated me, and uh, I started watching uh, uh, cycling races on the Eurosport. And then, yeah, surely Lance Armstrong was the guy who I was always uh, cheering for. And yeah, like he was my uh, childhood hero or a cycling hero from the beginning.
0: Yes, yes very good. No, no, I, I can as well remember the battle between Jan Ulrich and Lance, that was a big, a big thing for me as well. Yeah, I, yeah,
1: uh, yeah. Ah. As a German, I can uh, imagine it was painful. Yes,
0: it was painful. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was yes. <laughs> Actually, I had, some, I had some local friends here, and he was a, a big a big supporter of Lance. And uh, when uh, Jan Ulrich was doing the time trial, and I think Lens overtook him on the first day, he called me, and he was so happy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's yeah. going to happen? Uh, yeah, like, world, yeah. If you, if you look back at that era,
1: I think it was like, uh, really interesting just to to watch those kind
0: of battles yes was amazing yes no for sure i think it takes always somebody to motivate you who do you think is your mentor what is the is it lance armstrong is there any coach you were working with who really inspired you in your career
1: yeah quite soon uh, was 2005 uh, the, uh, the mid of the year, 2005, I said, OK, I'll try to start with uh, serious uh, competing on the mountain bike. So that by serious, I mean go to the national championships and stuff. And then I said, oh, I need a team for that. So I, I found a team. My, my friend who was in that team introduced me to that team. And there was one coach who was like a Yugoslavian legend for cycling. He was multiple uh, national champion of Yugoslavia, I think three times uh, participant of Olympics and stuff like this. So I Googled him and he was like impressive, you know, uh, quite much older than I am. And uh, we started to, 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 how we say, to collaborate. Yes. And yeah, he started to coach me. That was 2005. And uh, to this day, he's still co- my coach. So uh, it's already quite some years we know each other, and sometimes at the beginning of my uh, sport uh, path, when he was uh, like explaining me something about training, yes, I was like I don't know what he's talking about because I was you know 18 years old, first year into let's say professional sports, and uh, but then going with the years of uh, of training. I slowly understand everything, what he meant by saying Mm -hmm. some uh, kind of training and stuff. And yeah, I'm really happy that uh, he's still with me. He's still around me. He's still guide me. Uh, So yeah, it's good to have one guy through whole career Mm -hmm. because he knows you
0: from the beginning, you know, from the get go. So I think that's good. Do you get some guidance from the team right now? Now you're training by yourself and we don't really know what the season will come. So they give you some training plan or they know, hey, Luca, uh, you're a professional, you're going to take care of yourself or how much influence does the team have on your training?
1: Uh, Well, we have uh, quite a lot of coaches in our team and uh, I also have assigned one coach to me who is uh, like watching how I progress, what what am I doing and stuff like this. And sometimes he also give me the plans and we discuss what my idea for the next couple of weeks is going to be. And then he tells his idea. So I like this team and this coach just because of that, because he, uh, he respect my idea and my yes. view on how to approach things. And I also respect his uh, idea because obviously he, he was uh, studying all these things and he knows much more than I do. And uh, I just put this into practice. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's maybe it's not like uh, back in the days when I got the plan, uh, let's say 10 times, four minutes, this hard trade, this what, but more basic, more general. Okay, let's do fast training. Let's do sprints. Let's do endurance training. And then uh, myself decide on what kind of efforts I'm going to do that day.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you feel it has changed over the years, how you train and what you train uh, because you're getting older or just technology and knowledge has changed or how, how is this happening? Both. I mean, both. Uh, I mean, as
1: a human being, you progress. You, you are not the same as you were five years ago. You cannot yes. do the same efforts as you did five years ago. Or if you do, I think the benefit of those efforts won't be the same because yeah. the body is used to it. And I think the body is like a smart machine, you know, you always mm-hmm. have to do or try different things to reach better adaptation yes. on the training. And if you do always the same, you just won't progress as fast
0: as you were on the beginning. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's interesting. Um, speaking about bikes, I see a nice Scott bike in the background. Obviously we're very happy that you're on Scott. Um, how, many, how many bikes, you have a mountain bike, cyclocross, uh, road bike, you have the new addict? Yeah, I have the new addict, which I'm uh, riding on the roads.
1: You can see foil,
0: yes,
1: uh, on the turbo trainer. And then uh, I have a spark uh, mountain bike, uh, I have e bike, e genius. Okay, I use it a lot on rest days. I really like still do downhills and stuff. And on a rest okay. day, like, you cannot go. You cannot do 1,000 altitude meters to have a nice downhill uh, part, you know. That's why I use the e-bike. So then I have a cyclocross bike, which I use in the winter mostly, uh, and the time trial bike. So a big uh, variety and uh, many options, especially this time of the year when we don't know exactly when the racing still again starts. So now my uh, focus is just to stay in uh, general shape. Uh, to not get, gain weight and uh, just to have good time on the bike. So I choose a lot of different bikes uh, daily. So sometimes I start with my mountain bike, next day I go on cyclocross. Sometimes I do two bikes
0: in one day. Uh, just depends, just to, to to have some hours on the bike. I was very impressed. I have as well now a new edit. I was riding the foil before, and I was very impressed with all the cable being hidden, the new handlebar shape. Uh, that the 28 millimeter tires, which I'm able to ride, you're running 28 millimeter tires. How do you feel about the new addict? Yeah, I just maybe three weeks ago I put
1: 28s on because uh, lately I do a lot of travel or I search new roads. Yeah. I try to do shortcuts, and 28s uh, is much better for that. And uh, I like it a lot. I mean, uh, there's a lot more benefits than, uh, than how I say.
0: Disadvantages, Combs. yes. <laughs>
1: Disadvantages, yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, I feel as well. So yeah, I like I it. Tubeless? Tubeless or oh, you? just uh, normal tubes. Okay. Yeah, for training. And okay. then uh, tubulars
0: for, uh, for races. Okay. I put 28 millimeter uh, tubeless tires on mine, and I really went low with the pressure, up to 60 yeah. psi, 60, 65. It's fantastic. I'm, I'm really, yeah. really happy. So it's just a completely different ride feel. More comfortable, I feel as well. Very fast. I was surprised how fast you can go, especially if the roads are rough. So that's something. Do you know the pressure? What what do you normally put put in as tire pressure? Well, I ride seven and a half
1: bar. I don't know what this in psi. Yes. Uh, But yeah, around uh, seven and a half to eight. Okay. Like sometimes uh, I have seven and a half on the front and eight in the back for racing, and uh, sometimes if we know it's new roads and everything. It's 8.8, eight, but okay. never more than 8. Yes. Never more. And then uh, for the cobbles, uh, for uh, classics, we go as low as uh, 4.5. Yes. So that's for a 28 or a 30 millimeter uh, tire, is quite low.
0: Very good. good. Very good. Fantastic. What would you consider is the biggest achievement so far in your career?
1: Well, probably just... Uh, Wins in general, yeah. Uh, War Tour wins, which are the most uh, uh, satisfying, and uh, yeah, from
0: uh, War Tour wins, definitely uh, Giro, Giro d'Italia Giro. stage. Yes. Yeah. Is there is there a race you really wish you you will win one day? Is there something on your bucket list you wanna you wanna achieve?
1: Well, yeah, there's many races I wanna win, but uh, like San Remo is one of the races I really. Yes. Uh, try to work for it, like, you know, uh, specifically for that race. When, uh, in general, you, you train and getting ready for a period of racing. But like for San
0: Remo, I always want to be top shape. Very good. Yeah, that's unbelievable. I think everybody is really uh, looking forward over the whole winter, and then that's really when it starts, and, and, yeah, and it's an yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. unbelievable event. Yeah, it's one of those Yeah, because I don't like
1: long climbs, And we all know that uh, climbs in uh, San Remo are not so long. So I like to train up to 10, 15 minutes of climbing. That's my limit. And yeah, that's also something that it's uh, easier to motivate myself than to (laughs) suffer 15 minutes. Then if I know San Remo doesn't have such a long climb or such a short climb, so it's harder to get really good uh, workload on that. Yes. Do
0: you have a ritual before a race, um, what you, how you prepare and, and is it? do you feel you change your personality when you put your helmet on that there's Luka Mesek, the, the, the normal person and then Luka the, the racer and you really change in your mentality? Not really when I
1: clip my helmet on. I think the personality change happens in the last kilometer or maybe two kilometers of the race because uh, Still with 5k to go, I'm still kind, let's say kind in the bunch. Yes. Like I break, let other guys in, yes. I don't elbow, I'm like, you know, really, really kind. But then once I see 2k to go, I say, okay, I don't have any more friends in this peloton except the, the guy who I work for or my teammates. Yes. And then uh, yeah, I really go full biscuit. hmm
0: yeah, I, I see. Sometimes you see obviously the pictures of a peloton and if there's so many people and everybody wants to get to that finish line and I saw some of them. I saw actually a lot of the sprints, I felt like you were almost so fast that you could avoid the, the punch and you were going your own way, you found your own way and you were just pushing uh, faster gear than anyone else and you just were almost on the, on the other side, sometimes left, sometimes right of the sides of the street and you did your own sprint and it was just amazing to see how you just went and they Uh, the others almost didn't see you coming from from the side. So that was quite amazing. Yeah,
1: well, like if you're a sprinter and if you have a great spot,
0: sometimes, you know,
1: with all the drafting, you don't do much in the last kilometer. Like if you find yourself in the bubble, that's the perfect spot. But that's really risky because a lot of times that bubble doesn't get the way out free. So a lot of times you have to break. Sometimes you crash, sometimes Uh, you cannot get on the free line before you have to. So, you know, maybe that uh, gap opens too late and once you start accelerating, you're already in the finish line. And yeah, that bubble is pretty risky. And uh, like my teammates uh, know me to be a bubble man because I always want to be in the bubble because there's the easiest. But as I'm saying, there's also the biggest danger to crash Mm -hmm. and to to not do anything. But uh, if, you, if you know what's coming, if you know the road, if you know where's the corner and stuff like this, then you can uh, reduce a lot of this risk and increase the percentage of uh, success uh, with all the experiences. And mm-hmm. yeah, now these days, if you have a lead-out train and stuff, and if you're a lead-out man, like I am uh, a lot of races, then you are the guy who has to have the commandos and to say okay in this corner you have to be you don't have to be you shouldn't be in the bubble you have to be in one line yes. because of this reason and that reason and so it's uh, sprinting these days is more mentally or tactically than uh, with power like mm-hmm. we know le- last couple of years there's many sprinters that are winning constantly it's not just one guy you pick oh he's 90 percent; he's going to win it's always on every start line there's at least four or five guys who are 50 50 to win and then the team comes who makes a change you know who makes a difference in the final
0: yes that's true a good lead out train and a good lead out man is, is really worth a lot yeah that's yeah good. Are you superstitious? Do you have anything you, you do before a race that you have a certain thing or you have maybe some necklace or anything you wear or anything you, you don't like? If it happens in the morning, you know, okay, that's not gonna be, if I step out of bed with my left foot or whatever, is there anything like this?
1: Actually, uh, superstitious, I cannot say, but cycling on its own is very ritual sport. You know, you have a ritual every day, the same, every day, every day, similar breakfast, every day, similar wake-up time, every day similar start time, every day similar drive to the, to the start with the bus. Uh, always around one hour before the start, you park the bus, and then it's always pretty much the same uh, scenario before the start line. And uh, you get used to it, and yeah, it's just I don't think you have time then to, to have even more uh, superstitions to do. Even mm-hmm. though I believe some guys have, I don't
0: have like the happy socks or lucky okay. socks or how you <laughs> say I don't have these. Okay. Okay, very good. Um, and yeah. is there one person in the team who is kind of your critic, but at the same time somebody your opinion his opinion is very important to you, somebody who can really motivate you. Who is that person for you?
1: Uh, I can say exactly because uh I always take a critic as a good critic, you know, like, I want to put, I want to improve myself by that critic. So I always listen to what people have to say about my writing or about my mistakes or the things I've done good. And then uh, for the things I can improve, I analyze it. I watch the, the videos, what I have done. I like, especially... If I do a mistake, I'm really hard to myself, you know? I'm like disappointed to myself that I made a mistake and then I try to go so deep that I don't do it twice, that I don't redo the mistake next day or the same year and stuff like this. Mm -hmm. And uh, as a lead out man, I feel more pressure to, to not make a mistake than as a sprinter. Yes. Because as a sprinter, anything can happen and if you have a lead out man you just follow and then if he doesn't bring you ah, it, it's not your fault you know yeah. if you have a good lead out man and if you trust the guy he has to bring you but as a sprinter yeah. without a good lead out guy it's always like oh yeah i tried to be there but i had yeah. to break and it's a lot different than like as a leadout guy you cannot Mess up because you are the guy who has to go on the wind, you have to bring him. And as a sprinter, you cannot go on the wind because then you cannot win. And then you have to go inside the bunch to find the spot if you're on your own. And then sometimes, yeah, you just have to take too much wind, and
0: yes, you don't have the legs for the final. Who do you consider the best lead out man in the peloton besides you, obviously?
1: I learned a lot from uh, Tom Willers yeah. in my early years, in my first three years uh, in professional peloton. I learned a lot from uh, Villars yeah, because uh, especially that team was really about analyzing, about preparing the sprint, about uh, debriefs, about planning. Uh, so that's three years I learned a lot, which I try to bring in uh, now in Mitchell Don Scott. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we work really good together. And also our debriefs are improved a lot since five years ago, let's say. Mm-hmm. But yeah, at the moment, like in the team, we don't have a pure sprinter. So it's kind of just same level. We cannot improve. We don't do a lot on the sprints also mm-hmm. because we turn much more on the GC team. Yes. Uh, but that's also good because uh I think if you always do the same, then, especially as a team, then you, you get bored or some people get bored. So it's always have to change, have to develop. And yeah, in that sense, uh, that's great.
0: Very good. Fantastic. Do you have a special skill outside of cycling or you have a kind of, we call it a party trick, something you can, uh, you would use to impress somebody on an evening? (laughs) Well,
1: I can't say, but like sometimes if uh, I'm in a really good mood, I can dance a little bit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: My good, only good friends knows it. Okay, very good.
0: We'll we see you next time in Dubai. We're going to see some music <laughs> and then we're going to see some dancing. Yeah. It
1: doesn't happen often though. Okay. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. But like
1: outside of uh, skills, I really I enjoy all the different sports. Like not just cycling. Cycling is just, you know, for not I like it but also it's more a job these days but because of that because of all the time on the bike I really miss hiking I miss playing basketball I miss playing uh, soccer and stuff like this and off season I really enjoy do other sports this is the the worst thing being a professional athlete in one sport because you you cannot do a, a soccer match with the friends two days before the race you know
0: Mm-hmm. Totally different muscles, and yes, just doesn't go. Are you collecting anything? Do you have anything you collect from different places, uh, maybe fridge magnets or anything? No, no, <laughs> I collect memories. That's no, very. That's, that's good. enough. That's very nice. Um, if you if you would have the chance from a famous person, you could be his in his life for one day. Who would that be?
1: Uh, Well, now uh, watching uh, Michael Jordan uh, series, I would be uh, Michael Jordan for a day of his last season, let's say, uh, playing the NBA when they won a championship. Mm -hmm. Like in general, I like uh, like basketball. I like watching NBA and also Slovenian guy, uh, Luka Doncic is uh, like on the top of the shape at the moment in NBA, a rising star, or I can say already established star in uh, his second season there. So I like, I, I like to
0: follow uh, this sport a lot. Very good, and, and if you had a time machine and you could go either forward in time to see what's happening in your future or you could go back to change something, which way would you go? I would go
1: back, but not to change something, but just to do it again. Okay, very good, that's So nice. to relive last couple of years again, especially since I turned pro, I think a lot of things happened really quickly, like before cycling uh, life. Uh, I I entered cycling uh, relatively late. Uh, especially I turned pro, I think at the age of 24, which is really late for a okay. for a rider. And before that I didn't travel, like I was always like just in Slovenia, Croatia, just the neighborhood country. And then just the world, you know, became so small. Mm-hmm. Like I remember travel to my first training camp with the team in Spain. Yes. It was like different world, going to Spain. Now going to Spain, going to UAE, going to mm-hmm. Hong Kong is like huh, 10 hour flight, I'm there. It's like the world became so small and I like to, to go all over again, you know, from okay. the big world to a small world. And what's
0: your favorite place? If you could choose to live somewhere, you would go back to Slovenia or where would you choose? What's a nice place?
1: Oh, there's a couple of nice places. Like uh, I really enjoyed uh, Lake Tahoe in California. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, There was like, we spent two weeks there for training camp 2018. I I really liked nature. So that was one of the best places I've experienced. And also uh, Colorado was nice Mm -hmm. around Boulder uh yeah these were probably two
0: top spots to pick for life for living very good i have a few sentences prepared and i would start a sentence and it will just you will just okay. finish the sentence okay um a perfect do i, day, do, do I have time to to think or just, yes, just whatever comes to your mind whatever comes Sprinter, <laughs> yes, Sprinter, come on you have to make quick decisions yeah okay a perfect day is sunny day Good. I'm looking forward to... To start racing again. (laughs) I can ride my bike faster than... Than my girlfriend. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I wish I had...
1: That's a hard one because I wanted to to save more time, but now I have more time in these quarantine days. So uh, I wish I would have
0: uh, wings. Wings to, yeah, just to fly around. Um, I really love when? I really, I really, I really love. I really love when? Love. No, I love if wh- what happens I mean, if something happens, you really love the situation. So I love when I win a race. or so is something you, you really love. Yeah, to win a race. That's a good one. And I get really annoyed when? Uh, when I have to clean my house. Okay, that's good. Then you have to go now. That's good. Um, who is the greatest cyclist of all time for you?
1: I think still Lance Armstrong.
0: Okay. Yeah. Have you raced with him? No. No. So he was. He was... Uh,
1: so I turned uh, 2013, and I think yeah. he stopped uh, 2011 or so.
0: Okay. Okay. I don't know. Yeah.
1: And you have met him or never, never no, again? never, never, never. Just his picture on the races, winning Tour de France and stuff.
0: Yes. That's, that's it. Very good. Who is the biggest sprinter of all times? Probably Cipollini. Cipollini. I would say yeah. him, yeah. Uh, he was a special. He is a special. Here. He was a couple well, of times in Dubai, yeah? He's a big, yeah. he's a big yeah. man. And he's full of... Yeah. Uh, it doesn't look I like met, a I met him. I met him on Giro
1: d'Italia once, yeah. and now he's even bigger. Yeah, now he's, But like maybe as achievement-wise, Cavendish is probably better. Yeah. But like just the, the icon, I think uh, Cipollini was on the top. Like he put this sport on another level in in terms of uh, cycling heroes in Italy, I guess.
0: Yes. Yeah, no, absolutely. Who do you think is the biggest upcoming talent? Well, Matt Wanderpoel uh, is
1: uh, for mm-hmm. sure w- the guy who will win a lot in the near future. Well, he's already winning pretty yeah. much everything, but yes. I think he, he's
0: got a really bright future, everything uh, he will uh, choose to do. Yes, and now with Quick Step, I think obviously a perfect... perfect team and a really really good support and a lot of people with a lot of knowledge to help him and support him yeah amazing yeah Yeah. very good if there would be something you could change in today's cycling about uci about racing anything what would this be what would you change i would do shorter stages Mm -hmm. like uh,
1: shorter stages are always more intense more dynamic uh sometimes it's more suffering as well because yeah. you know, shorter time means better intensity. Yes, but yeah, uh, also like from uh, a viewer, from uh, the guy yeah. watching the Eurosport, if you have twenty hundred, two hundred and twenty 220k long stage and it's
0: flat day, yes. it's not much going on there. And yeah, yes, true. Um, some other questions have it's for socks, you wear long or short socks. Medium, not the longest one, not the, the short one, but something in between. And when you go riding, you wear gloves or no? No,
1: never. Except on the mountain bike, there I always put the long gloves, even in summer. But you know, there's a summer long glove for mountain biking. So, but like a regular gloves for road cycling, never on training, always on the races. Mm-hmm. Always. Sometimes in in a Grand Tour when you already have. Uh, the how you say the 10 spots the 10 lines sometimes i start without them and then when we approach the finish line i put them on just in case yes you never know when
0: uh, the crash is uh, waiting for you yes because i can imagine yeah when you crash and you fall in your hands that's going to be very difficult it's really messy yeah like
1: it's a small injury but it's annoying because it's always moving and it doesn't
0: uh, it doesn't help heal. Do you have a tattoo on your body? No, no. no. Not yet or never? No text.
1: No, never say never, but no text, never. at the moment I don't have any
0: desire. Yes. And racing, when you race, you race with a power meter or you race simply by feeling? Oh, uh, well, I don't watch the power meter
1: except on the climbs uh, when I know it's too fast, I just slow down because sometimes okay. I just know start the climb in front, you know the time of the climb and then I know my limits, like how much I can do on that climb for a certain period of time and then I try to adjust my, my power output because if I start with 700 on a five minute climb, yes, I won't last for long. So, yeah, it, it's a helpful gadget for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But in a sprint, you don't have time? No, 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 never Oh, there. It's, it's happening too fast. And as soon as you look on your uh, Garmin for two seconds, you can hit someone from, from the front. And mm-hmm. sometimes mm-hmm. crashes happen because, because of that, I believe.
0: What are some good numbers when you're happy about the sprint, It's okay, that was a good number and, and top, top wattage output? Well, the thing with this is, if you win
1: and if you have a bad number, yes. you say, oh, that was easy. Like, I don't, yes. I don't even put so much watts to win. Yes. And then when you lose and you have a good number, you say, oh, I was on, the, on a shit spot. <laughs> I had a bad position. Yes. And then when you, when you lose and you have a shit number and you feel on the, in the legs as well that you just didn't have the legs, then it's like worrying you know because then you have the feedback that that shit feeling in the legs was the fact not just the mental aspect yeah so you have the proof that you were really shit that day (laughs) yeah yeah that's then uh, time to work or time to to do analyze what's what's uh, what am
0: i doing wrong if you would write a book about your career today, what would be the title of the book? Well, that's a that's a hard one.
1: From mountain biker to a
0: road racer specialist. Right. <laughs> I don't know. Quite a few, we talked about this. There's quite a few people who have done this. Yeah, we have done the transition from mountain biking, which is really, really hard. Yeah. Uh, Kate Levins, uh, Peter Sagan, uh, Rasmussen. Yeah. So they've been quite frugal song we spoke about so i think it's it's not unusual that people start on on the mountain bike and and get really this the, the, the toughness from mountain biking and especially cyclocross seems to be something super hard uh, for one hour going flat out especially for a sprinter that's a good preparation so um,
1: yeah i mean uh, a lot in uh, the guys you just mentioned are just the big guys in, in in road you know who succeed as well so they were successful on mountain bike and now they are successful on the road but there's many more guys that they weren't so successful on mountain bike, and they switch on the road as well, and they yes. are also like good domestics, which yes. we don't talk much about their mountain bike yes. days, yes, so I think it's just as as a kid it's a bit more more fun to go in the forest to try to ride single tracks to enjoy the nature is also more safe as a eight eight year old kid to go on the road on the strips or to do something in the forest, so I think that's why. A lot of guys starts on the mountain bike, uh, and then eventually some guys sooner, some guys later switch on the road, uh, and yeah, also some guys stays on mountain bike. Uh, so yeah, I think it's just a natural process
0: of mm-hmm. sports being so connected. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Do you have a quote? You like quotes, and do you have a quote you live by? Something which motivates you, which you feel is really nice. Well, with my German friend, uh,
1: John Degenkolb, we, okay. we used to listen a lot of these uh, motivational speeches from uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and those guys in, uh, when we were back in the training days or uh, just racing around the world. So we had a quote, uh, you won't climb the ladder of success with your hands in the pockets. Yes. So that's, uh, that's a good quote, which uh, also as a, as a young... Rider gives you the the, th- the lesson to to work hard, and yes. with the hard work, you will succeed. like if you if you don't work for things you want,
0: they won't happen. So that would have been my last question really. what What has cycling taught you over the years, which you really feel is part of your life? So um, hard work, is it? Is there anything else you feel like cycling has taught you? well i think cycling taught me uh, maybe indirect
1: many things uh, maybe the biggest thing is to to think outside the box to to meet a lot of interesting people to to see how the world operates outside of your born country of your domestic country mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. because yeah as a slovenia is like really small country and if you have some connections outside it's much easier to whether to start your business or to 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 just get some i don't know advices or to mm-hmm. just think like things like that and also just dedication you know you know with with sports in general if you work today the results won't show tomorrow but yeah. if you work day in day out if you just check the boxes every day and to to stream about that you will do that you will get to that you will succeed in in some time it will come but it needs time Mm no i think it's
0: with everything in the life is like that doesn't come overnight very good hey luca thank you so much we took already so much of your time but it was really (laughs) really nice and and i i always enjoy doing the the research obviously we know us now for a couple of years but again it's really interesting to look into the career and and have a have an hour to talk to someone to to learn a bit more and we're really looking forward to see some some good lead outs and sprint wins of you for the hopefully soon for the rest of the season Um, and we hope everything stays stays well with you and you you stay safe and um, yeah, thank you so much for your time
1: Uh, it was my pleasure nice to talk to you to see you again and to also uh, get this hour uh, passing a little bit uh, quicker with uh, just talking to you Thank you. And thanks for all the nice wishes.
0: Thank you very much, Luca. Yeah. We stay in touch. Yeah? We're gonna have next Friday. We have a talk with Andy Schleck. Uh, so he's Tour de France champion, and we're looking really forward to see him on the eighth of, um, uh, of March or uh, May. Uh, yeah. yeah. Good stuff. Thank you. Thank good you luck. God's everyone. Cheers. Thanks. Huh. Bye bye. You Bye bye. Right. Thank you everyone. Thanks for watching. Have a good evening. Stay safe. Stay home. Bye bye.